Good afternoon, friends. It is another, yet another in a long line of grand and glorious days in the best little city in America. We're going to spend the next couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation on news and politics, health and wellness, economics and recreation, as usual. Uber producer Dan Peters is here to keep you updated on the latest news and weather, as you heard at the top of the hour. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio if you're out there driving around in this beautiful day out in the sunshine with the frost on the trees. It really is a picturesque and a beautiful afternoon. Maybe you're listening live at KSO.com, huddled around your computer in your cube somewhere. That's okay. We're here to help take you through the end of the workday. Or you've got the KSOO mobile app out and you're following along there. That's always a good one too. But remember, you can always watch us live behind the scenes on Facebook at the KSOO page or on our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. You can chat with us a little bit. And uh, that's what I want to talk to you about here at the beginning of the show is chatting with us. So... A lot of times uh, on your talk shows, you take phone calls, right? And we've done that a little bit here on the Patrick Lally Show, but not a lot. Not a lot. Uh, because a lot of times we're just moving and grooving, right? There's just it, chop, 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 chop. Well, I want to start taking more calls with, uh, with you good people for our guests where appropriate and with me. Um, like I said, we've done it a few times, but we're going to start ramping it up, I think. So City Councilor Christine Erickson will be with us for the entire second hour. So we got Christine for the whole hour so that we could talk to her a little bit, and then you could talk to her. She is a sitting City Councilor and also has announced for her re-election, so that's going to be fun. So I invite you, if you have questions or comments for Councilor Erickson, to get them ready. She'll be here after 4 o'clock. The number at the studio, write this down now, get this in your speed dials, and print it on your brains, 338-KSOO. That's 338-5766. Or toll-free, 888-338-5766. But it's 338-KSOO. That's the easy way to remember it. Just like in the old days. Because here's the thing. A few notes, all right? We do screen the calls. Uh, When you call 338-KSOO, Uber producer Dan Peters will pick up the phone and he'll ask you what you want to talk about, you know, just kind of, hey, what's going on? Dan's a reasonable man, as you know, so please be reasonable with him. You know, if, if something's got you all fired up and you're mad at me, don't take it out on Dan, all right? You can take it out on me, but don't take it out on Dan. Uh, We do reserve the right to say no. Not everybody gets through if uh, we decide it's not working, it's not working. I'm not censoring anybody, okay? I I want to keep the conversation on point and constructive, not boring. That doesn't mean boring, and that doesn't mean uh, not with uh, enthusiasm and purpose. I'm not afraid of uh, varying viewpoints. You can agree or disagree with our guests or with me, but we do need to keep it at least minimally respectful. You start calling somebody names, boop, you're gone. You're gone. 
that's just the way it goes. And if you want to talk about something that's completely off point, you know, we're not going to do that either. We're going to try and keep a conversation focused. It's not going to be open phones, America. I will cut this off with extreme prejudice if it takes a turn, but I love conversation and I love talking to listeners when I run into people out and about and uh, people are always asking me about this, that, or the other thing that I've been talking about. I like the give and take of debate and discussion. I always have. I look forward to having my ideals challenged and to be forced to defend them because I think that's how you learn. If you cannot defend a position, if you cannot defend the other side of your position, you don't really understand it. And it's not that everything has to be some complex debate on issues. That's, that's not it either. We can talk about anything. But I want it to be at least fun, engaging, and helpful to somebody. You, me, the listeners. You know, that's, that is the core of American democracy. And it's a vital role of the media in general. And I want to play that role. So please feel free to give us a call. 338-KSOO. Don't do anything dangerous in your car. All right. Be careful. Go hands free and bring your opinions and beliefs to the marketplace of ideas. That is the Patrick Lally show. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Sioux Falls City Councilor Christine Erickson. As I said, she'll be in studio for the second hour to talk about her recently announced bid for re-election and other issues facing our fair city. Scott Hudson will be with us for Weird Friends. Pat McCone, who is Senior Regional Director for Tobacco Control and Advocacy for the Lung Association in South Dakota, <gasps> will tell us about a recent report that says South Dakota lags behind other states in reducing and preventing tobacco use. Tobacco use, people. And I'll have the PL statement just after the next break. Today's topic, Trump and trade. Trump and trade and how it affects you in the great state of South Dakota and the fine community that is Sioux Falls. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 316 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Uh, we're going to get a little closer to free here today on the PL statement. Yeah, that's all we want. We want a chance. We need a break. That's all we need, baby. And this is the time of the show, the PL statement, where we look through the news and uh, chat about things that are happening. In the broader world here in South Dakota and in the real world. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. We're going we're gonna to put the legislature behind for a day here because I want to talk about something that is uh, important to all of us in South Dakota and important to those of us in Sioux Falls as well. And that has to do with trade international trade now now i know it sounds boring but i need you to think about this for a little while so we know that our president donald trump is uh 
headed over to Davos, Switzerland for the uh, big collection of people over there who are talking about economics at the World Economic Forum. Lovely place, Davos, I imagine. I have not been. So the president recently uh, said we're going to have some new tariffs on imported solar energy components and large washing machines. It was just a couple of, of issues there that uh, we he feels that we're getting jobbed on by uh, the Chinese in particular. And, you know, there's some worry that uh, the Chinese are going to retaliate and yada, yada, yada. Um, and those are real concerns. And I uh, actually I listened to a very interesting conversation uh, earlier today uh, by people who really know what they're talking about on a different side, different couple different sides of this issue. And I, you know, I understand where the tariffs are coming from there uh, in terms of the solar energy part of it, um, you know, that we recreated the solar energy industry uh, with taxpayer funds by financing it through tax credits and all that. And to have uh, other uh, foreign companies uh, producing those materials uh, to take advantage of the markets we created. I, there's some validity in that. All right. But I have concerns about some of the broader trade issues that will probably come up during the Davos meeting and the fact that the president has been talking so tough on trade saying we're getting, you know, we're getting killed everywhere. Um, the, uh, president's commerce secretary, Wilbur Ross was already in Davos and he's saying that the U S government is not protectionist and that the tariffs that they announced are meant to deal with what he termed inappropriate behavior by other countries. And here's a story from the AP that says many in the Trump administration think that the, that much of the global trading system is rigged against us and that companies have not been playing fair using unfair methods to gain a competitive advantage. Ross said trade wars are fought every single day. Unfortunately, every single day, there are various parties trying to violate the rules and trying to take unfair advantage of things. The difference is that U S troops are now coming to the rampart, which is kind of threatening language. I, I know what he's using it as a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Okay. It's okay. And uh, uh, Ross said it wasn't for him to set Chinese policy about whether to retaliate or not. But he warned that if Beijing were to do so, there would be a question as to what the U.S. during turn would do. But it's not going to be a trade war. Okay, it's not a trade war. The story continues. The America first strategy that helped Trump win the presidency is partly a reflection of dealing with that apparent rigged system. It's already seen as the U.S. withdrawal from the Trans-Pacific Partnership that we'll be talking about in a minute a trade deal with 11 countries, and they want to seek a renegotiation of the North American Free Trade Agreement with Canada and Mexico. Trump has also pulled the United States out of Paris' agreement on climate change, a move that reinforced fears that America first means the U.S. turns inward and opts for a more isolationist approach. But we're not doing that, according to the administration. So the uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he's the dude up in Canada, you know, he's got some uh, words for us. Uh, because we are negotiating, renegotiating NAFTA, and that's a big deal for Canada, and there's a lot of concern out there. Uh, amongst the folks who are gathered there in Davos, a lot of anti-isolationism. So the president's going to be there. He's going to talk on Friday, and uh, he's going to meet with a bunch of people. 
But there's real concern about the tone of this deal, this, the America first. He's already spoken about this stuff, obviously, and he uh, has told uh, many other uh, venues that Ameri- he would expect every leader of every country to, to make their countries first. And I, I, on some level, understand that, but I don't think that ultimately that is the way to a, global, a stable global economy. It's not, it's not a dogfight. It's not a mosh pit. So there are some some uh, more moderate voices in the Trump administration as well. But here's the thing about South Dakota, okay, that I want to go into. Because this matters to us. There are very few federal policies that affect actual life on the ground in South Dakota more than trade agreements. And I mean that honestly. I mean, it all has some effect on us. But trade agreements are huge for our economy and our way of life. We all know that our fortunes here in terms of economic growth and the state budget are tied directly to agriculture. And the fortunes of agriculture are tied directly to international trade. That is the reality on the ground in the world today and has been for quite a while. South Dakota and our grand city of Sioux Falls have both experienced flat sales taxes income for the past couple of years. This is a direct result of a drop in commodity prices that farmers get for corn and soybeans uh, and wheat and uh, livestock. This, this connection is not in question. We can talk about Internet sales, stealing business all we want, and that is true. But it's selling grain and livestock that drives our economy more broadly. Increasingly, that's meant selling these products internationally that has been a talking point for republican governors of south dakota going back a couple of generations that hasn't changed yet here we are poised to tear up nafta after already turning our backs on the tpp the trans pacific partnership where does south dakota sell the goods look it up canada mexico china japan Australia, in that order. Canada is South Dakota's biggest trading partner. Then Mexico. That's NAFTA. All right? That's NAFTA. What do we export? Soybeans, corn, well, byproducts of corn, sweeteners and all the rest that comes from ethanol production, and, and that's a lot of it. And then corn fed to cattle and pigs, that's a lot of it. Grains and animals, that's what we do. The first non-commodity export on the list is for South Dakota, if you check the stats from uh, the, uh, Depart- the, the Federal uh, Trade Commission, is front-end loaders, which I think is pretty much all uh, Madison, South Dakota at the Gale factory. And it's also partly ag-related, among other things. Skid steer loaders are a huge piece of equipment in the world of agriculture. NAFTA has been very good to us over the years, very good. The Trump administration is in the midst of renegotiating it, and the rhetoric is pretty strong. All we hear about is manufacturing, that we're going to make things again. What about ag? I'm not hearing anything about ag. The president says that NAFTA is the single worst agreement ever negotiated by any country ever. What does that say about farmers? 
South Dakota is facing serious financial issues if the ag economy doesn't start to see better growth. How does this negotiation affect South Dakota? I don't know. Our congressional delegation has not offered much insight, and they certainly haven't publicly pushed back against the president's rhetoric. TPP, I've said before, so it's not a surprise, but rejecting TPP was a major setback for livestock producers in South Dakota. And and John Thune said it on this program in that it would have drastically reduced tariffs on meat exports in much of Asia. Not China, which was not in the TPP, but what we did by getting out was give a huge gift to Australia, Brazil, and Argentina. They're happy to sell cattle and pigs in Asia. Meanwhile, back in the United States, Americans are eating less beef and pork and have been over the last... 15 years. That number is projected to grow, but real potential for trade for South Dakota is in Asia. And it has been for centuries now, as long as we've been a country. Renewable fuels? Let's be honest, the Trump administration is no friend of renewables, opting instead for domestic oil production and exploration. That doesn't portend well for a state where fully one-third of all corn production goes to ethanol. America first on the long odds that we that this tough talk trade tough trade talk and tax cuts uh, means an actual growth in manufacturing Ohio Michigan that American corporations will defy actual economic principles and good jobs and 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 make good jobs and raise wages to a substantial degree that other countries such as China and Germany and India are going to acquiesce to our threats and tariffs to do its best interest our best interests to the degree that any of that will happen. It won't do anything for South Dakota. Not really. We need free trade in South Dakota, the kind of trade we've been building for the past 30 years. If we hope to be able to provide basic services for our citizens, schools, roads, a social safety net of some kind, without those things, we won't grow. We cannot build a competitive workforce for the next three generations. Without immigration, which we continue to demonize in the public debate, we are cutting off a source of human and intellectual capital. This slash-and-burn philosophy of trade is bad for South Dakota. I, for one, would like to know what our elected officials are going to do about that. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me, Patrick, at KSO.com. Want to send me an email? We'll have the phones open later, 338-KSOO. You're going to want to do that. Also, P. Lally Show on Twitter. Coming up next, Weird Friends with Scott Hudson. And then we're going to talk about tobacco use in South Dakota. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Three thirty-six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And given that it is still Rich Show Week, this is Lamb on the Prairie. When Rich was on yesterday, I said it's one of my favorite songs of his, and it is. And I play it today to bring in my friend and our music critic at large, Mr. Scott Hudson. Scott is it? Uh, what do you think, of Lamb on the Prairie? Is that still right up there? Oh, that for you? was. I mean, I was kind of doing a little white boy wiggle here. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah. That was one. That was one that I really, really liked. Um, by the way, I my interview with him was published like a few minutes ago. Oh, really? On uh, on a uh, media site here in town? Yes, on a media site here in town. Yeah, that would be the Argus Leader, who you do some freelancing <laughs> for. It's okay. We can say it. ArgusLeader.com. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go read that. That's cool. Uh, but but it, I, 
I, I, it's hard to interview friends. It really is hard to interview friends. Yes. You would think that'd be the easiest, but it, but it's not because you know, uh, you know that you're not. I mean, you just wrote a couple things about Rich. One mm-hmm. for the record. That that's like a lot of pressure to write about somebody that you know because you want them to like it, and you and I have so much self doubt that I just think ah, oh, it's not good enough. And oh, so, no. hopefully this this article turns out turned out well. I I, uh, I told him yesterday, and I should mention he's going to be on the show again tomorrow because this truly is Rich Show Week. Although this our conversation here is the only Rich Show focused content for the day. So okay. we're going to make the most of it. But uh, so it's day three. Um, I told him yesterday that I was a little emotional when I saw it. And you're right. I, I struggled. I, it took me a long time after he had asked me if I was interested to figure out what I was going to say. You know? And like, yeah. Yeah. I, I just couldn't come up with anything right away. Well, I mean, I kind of go the easy route because I do, I do prefer the Q&A method. But I still have to write an opening thing. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, just it's it's tough. It's it's really tough to do. But it's going to be a fun night. Saturday night is the big record release party. Um, have you got your? Uh, did you get your uh, your record and the downloads and all that? Yeah, I mean, previously when when I interviewed him and stuff, I I, I just had access to the the regular two record set, and so last night I was able to uh, access the, the the bonus tracks. And you know, they said there was going to be seventeen. There actually was nineteen bonus tracks. I mean, you're getting another double album. Yeah. Work. I know. And uh, so, yeah, today I had my morning coffee listening to uh, to the bonus tracks. Yeah, 41 songs in total when you get the download. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What did you think? What uh, Any highlights for you? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Memphis is one. That was from the solo record he made in the you know mid to late 90s. Uh, Love You, Honey. I think that was a Flag with Hank song, but that's one of those that they kind of, that Rich added some horns to. Yeah. Sounds cool. I, I, that was really nice. And uh, Rumors Burial, because that was, I just remember, it's, it, those were, that was a song that they usually played at the end of the night mm-hmm. when everybody was, you know, intoxicated, let's yeah. say. <laughs> and yes. the, and it was, it's a slow build kind of song, and when it kicks into the, to the, the loud part, you know, the, the place was usually pretty rocking. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, anything in that uh, uh collection there and i noticed i noticed a few more flag with hank songs in the in the bonuses than there are on the double. yes i did too i yeah. did too which is nice i was happy to see that right. what, anything that you missed that that you would have liked to have seen on there oh boy um yeah i mean i if i, I off the top of my head no but i know i could think of some <laughs> yeah. uh reaganomics from the no direction mm, days yeah that's that that might be one. And where's the beach isn't on there? Yeah, that that too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a couple of No Direction songs, but they're the more. I mean, they're not the couple of really ones that I think of all the time. So, and that's kind of odd. Yeah, I mean, but but you know, he, as he said in my interview, he walked in with a notebook of over two hundred songs. Which mm-hmm. <laughs> right. which which of the two hundred do you do you record? Exactly. Exactly. It's a really interesting record, and I hope people pick it up. Uh, just because getting a, I don't even own a turntable anymore. Honestly, this is now the only piece of vinyl I own. Uh, you got to get back on the bandwagon. It's I really know. changed how I listen to music. I know, and I got to do it. And so now that I have some vinyl, maybe I will. But it's there just cool to open that thing up, 
pull the sleeves out, look at yeah. all the posters that are part of the sleeves. It's, yep, the entire package is really well done. Yeah, so, you know, go experience it. Uh, yeah. Cool. What else is going on in your world? Anything exciting? Well, I mean, this is kind of sad, actually. Uh, this is um, about an hour or so ago, word came out that Mark E. Smith, the leader of The Fall, has passed away at the age of 60, and I know that's not a household name, um, but The Fall are a very influential British group that was around for 40 years. Uh, one thing that was really interesting about them is that in the 40 years they were together, there was only one year that they didn't put out new music. You're kidding. Yeah, I mean, he was, this, this guy, even though he had very limited vocal range and very limited musical knowledge, <laughs> he could write songs and just pump them out. And they were, he's one of those guys that even the stuff that isn't so great was interesting because of some unknown factor, you know. He, he was a true curmudgeon, which, which is why I like him. Yep, I got <laughs> um, that. Um, British magazines loved to interview him because he had no problem saying what he thought about any other musicians or any other bands or even his own band. Um, you read a stat to me, I'm sure it was from Wikipedia. How many band members did he have over the years? I think it was 66 band members, a third of, yeah. or like two-thirds of which he fired. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. There was even a book once where this author tracked down all 66. Oh, my. And did little stories on their tenure in the band and what they've done afterwards. <laughs> That's a, that is amazing. So uh, I, I, uh, what would we know? I mean, the thing is, is it doesn't, it's not like they got any really big hits, right, The Fall? No, but there's a really great compilation record that's called 50,000 Fall Fan. Oh, God, what is it? I'm going to have to. Um, you have to tweet it out for us. Yeah, there yeah. Um, there's so much. I mean, just three months ago, a label put out a seven-disc set of all the singles he put out in the 40 years. <laughs> seven-disc Seven-disc, yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, he had a following. And, uh, you know, rest in peace, right? He left a mark on the yeah. world. There was a period from about 84 to 87, he was getting a lot of college radio play in America, but I, I can't really think... I mean, there was a Kinks cover of Victoria that a mm. lot of people yep. really liked. But, yep, I um, remember that. Uh, but if off the top of my head, I can't really think of. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a great there's a great quote here from him about uh, having all those different members, and he said, "If it's me and your granny on bongos, it's the fall." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty uh, here's good. Here's the title of that. Here's the title of that. Fifty thousand fall fans can't be wrong. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, uh, here, okay, here's a couple of song titles that are big. Uh, Repetition, uh, that was one of the earliest ones. That's probably the closest to punk rock, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, creep, spelled C-R, you know, letters, uh, period, R, period, you, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mr. Pharmacist. There you go. That was a big one. There's a ghost in my house. So, they're okay. up there. So it's from the 80s, yeah, mostly, although he's making new music all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the 80s was the heyday. Yeah, yes. it's impressive. Well, Scott, thanks for filling us in, and I, I still hope I get to see you on Saturday night. I'm sure you probably will. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take... Maybe incognito, though. That's right, right, in a <laughs> disguise. Uh, we're going to take you out with a little bit of the lamb on the prairie. How's that sound? Awesome. Okay. Thanks a lot, Scott. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.
This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Three forty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And I'm very happy to have on the phone today Pat McCone. She is regional senior regional director for tobacco control and advocacy for the Lung Association in South Dakota. We're going to talk about a new report about tobacco use in the state. Pat McCone, thank you for taking a few moments of your time today. Uh, you are welcome. So this report is uh, the state of tobacco control, and it's rather uh, critical of the state of South Dakota. Uh, why? How did we not do very well? What What are the What are the factors here that cause us not to be good at uh, tobacco prevention? Well, there are multiple factors. Uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, math, English, and all those things we get from our our school report cards. Uh, I would say, first and foremost, it's uh, about the funding that's dedicated to prevention and cessation services. Um, it's at uh, about 50% of what is recommended. Oh, no, not even that, 46%. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that gets a failing grade. Tobacco taxes. Tobacco taxes have not been raised in South Dakota for a while, and they're lagging behind. We know that increasing the price of tobacco is one of the most effective ways from keeping kids from starting and helping those many people who want to quit, quit. And then, um, you know, cessation services also has a failing grade, and we really want to see all those people that want to quit at any given time, half of tobacco users are actively looking to quit, that they don't have any hurdles, meaning co-pays or limitations on the treatment that they can, they can obtain and last but not least is a new category, and that is raising the age of purchase of tobacco to 21. Hmm. And we, uh, we're at 18, correct? Does, correct. Does any state in the nation have 21 now? Is that a, a wave that's coming? Yes, they do. I think there are five right now that do, and um, it is a wave coming. I think the, the really easy thing for you to see is it takes it out of the high school. Yeah. It takes all those 18-year-olds and their ability to buy and use and maybe become the broker for younger ones out of the picture. Now, we so raise... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. We raise taxes by a dollar a pack, but it has been a while. Um, uh, I think it's at least five, six, seven years ago now, and it was a ballot initiative, and there was a lot of effort behind it. Um, mm-hmm. So, But there are there is a lot of talk about raising it further because people see it as a source of revenue. Uh, Correct. Are you folks, you, you don't have any problem with how the money's used? Do you just think the tax needs to be higher? Well, you know, that used to be the philosophy of tobacco control advocates of, hey, we don't care what happens to it, the tax should be higher. That being said, when you know the state is only dedicating 46% of what the Centers for Disease Control recommends as a good program, I think there's some uh, moral obligation to dedicate some of those funds. I know that there's an initiative going on in South Dakota to raise that tax, to put it on the ballot, 
and to direct some of it to vocational and technical mm-hmm. education. But I, I really think we, we have a moral obligation to see that our prevention programs for tobacco are also fully funded. Are we heavy smokers in South Dakota? Um, you know, we, it, it, we are above the, the national average. I think the national average is 17, and, and South Dakota is a little above that, like at 20, which mm-hmm. is um, it, making improvements. I always say to people the numbers are a bit deceptive because you can look at um, the general population, but if you dig down a little, uh, Native American population smokes at a much higher rate those with substance use disorders smoke at a much higher rate. Those with mental illnesses smoke at a much higher rate. And those in poverty do. So um, the blanket is, is got this kind of comfort to it, but when you dig a little deeper. And then I, I really look at this, the high school students. It's about 30%. Wow. That's a and lot. That's so tobacco use across the board, right? That's tobacco use, which by definition includes e-cigarettes. Oh, oh really? That's interesting. Yes, they, they are a tobacco product. So uh, I see a statistic here that uh, 1,250 South Dakotans die each year from tobacco-related illnesses. Do you have any idea, is that number high in terms of a rate? Um, that's actually a number that's extrapolated from the, the total oh, of I over 480,000. I, I think what's happened with tobacco, and I, I'm from very northern Minnesota originally, and I have that accent, I can say, because we're so used to it. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, we're used to it. And when you start, when I say to people, you know, tobacco is still the number one killer of Americans. It, it's, it's not obesity. It is, it is not the opioid crisis. Um, it's tobacco, and we have an t- ongoing tobacco crisis. We, in the couple minutes we have left here, what, what mm-hmm. do you think South Dakota should do to try and improve our prevention services? Well, we could do two, two, a twofer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> a twofer. Twofer raise there, that tobacco. Yeah, a twofer <laughs> from the youper. Um, raise that tobacco tax, raise that tobacco tax, and then dedicate some of those dollars to prevention. And that would be a huge leap forward in improving these grades. And uh, also raising that uh, age limit. I, I imagine that's something you'd like to see us do, although uh, we'll probably be on the backside of that curve as we are with most things of this type. Uh, yeah, 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 I think that is, but I, I would take the, the raising the tax number one. That mm-hmm. would be absolutely number one by far. So uh, do you, does the Lung Association in South Dakota get involved in lobbying and, and uh, working with lawmakers? How, how active are you in the state? Yes, advocacy is an important piece of our work, and we work together with the the Smoke Free Coalition in South Dakota. And um, you know, first, really, I think it's important whenever we we propose changes is that we educate the public as to the why why this is important. You know, it is number one, and and have that understanding, and we also are there for that. Pat McComb, she's Senior Regional Director for Tobacco Control and Advocacy for the Lung Association in South Dakota. Pat, thank you very much for filling us in, and uh, well, good luck to you. Yeah, and let's improve those grades. <laughs> We're going to try. Okay, thanks so much. You're welcome. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 357 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.
Black Railroad by Rich Show. Hey folks, don't forget February 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, it's the Winterfest of Wheels at the Sioux Falls Convention Center. That's an indoor car show featuring cars, motorcycles, and trucks. There are unique premier vehicles seen in movies, on TV, and in magazines. There's a Ditch Your Man Room, raffles, and more. Proceeds benefit Cure Kids Cancer, 5 to 10 p.m. on Friday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Saturday, 9 p.m. to 3 p.m. Sunday. Tickets, 11 bucks, 12 and under, get in free. Come up in the second hour of the Patrick Lally program. We're going to talk to Christine Erickson. She's going to take some calls. 338-KSOO. Information 1000-KSOO. Four oh seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000-KSOO. Uh, Rich Show, My Rock and Autopsy. It's Rich Show Week here on the Patrick Lally Show, as most of you know. But Rich isn't here. He'll be here tomorrow. In his stead, we have a, 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 a very capable replacement. No, City <laughs> Councilor Christine Erickson, who has joined us for the hour to talk about a couple things. Uh, but first of all, Christine, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. I brought a little helper today. Our I see that. Our son, Braylon, is here today. So he is a uh, third grader at All City uh, Elementary School. So it's right fun on. to have him alongside mom every now and again. He needs to know why I'm gone and what I'm <laughs> doing and yeah, what exactly. the point is. So it's fun. Well, Today's more fun. Well, Braylon, how's it going over there in the corner? Good. Go right up to that. Go right up to there once. <laughs> Say hi to the people. There you go. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> we should have rehearsed that a little better. Yeah, and I should have hit. I should have hit the right. Balls. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I should have hit the right mic button too. But that's another story. Uh, so you announced this week that, uh, not surprisingly, because you've said it before, that you are running for re-election at at-large council position B. Correct. Yeah, I, yeah, I actually announced that. Um, like yesterday, two no, day before November twenty eighth, to be exact. What? Well. Then what was it yesterday that you had some sort of like, what did I see? I might have, I got, I got some bad information. I no, thought you officially said you were doing it. I officially said I was doing it on, there was a media release that was sent out November 28th. You can't expect me to remember all these things. So. <laughs> well, you, we've keeping talked it real, just keeping it real. We've talked about it on this show, but now you also have an opponent. Yes, yes, previously, which I expected. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's very uncommon to go unopposed, um, and it gives people the choice. So I, I expected it, and uh, here we go. Outstanding. Uh, Nick Weiland, who has been on this show before, uh, switched from the mayor's race to the council race. So now that you have an opponent, uh, why should uh, why should we reelect you, Christine Erickson? Yeah, well, it's it's a great question, uh, obviously, and uh, you know we. We will. I say we because it's obviously you know you pull a team of people together. But um, you know, over the last six years, I've been in public service with uh, two years in the legislature as well as four years in the city council. And you know, for me, it's been a a great learning experience, um, really focusing on collaboration and relationships and those relationships that I created back when I was in the legislature. And so we've been able to work together, uh, building those relationships with 
um, issues that come together from peer or issues that are important in Sioux Falls that we may need some help from our legislature. Uh, we started some task force together um, to uh, start working together to try to find ways to make things better in Sioux Falls. And so that, that was uh, a big priority of mine and we've accomplished that and we're moving towards that. Um, other items that are really important to me as I've been focusing a lot on uh, drug prevention. Uh, we throw a lot of money at addiction and so it's so important for us to not stick our heads in the sand and, and uh, wait until addiction happens and let's find ways to preventing our youth and others from um, from addiction. What can the city do there and do we have any money to actually do anything substantial in terms of prevention programs? Well as you know it's about priorities and um, money can be um, um, prioritized to the best that we can and you know I've been working alongside in collaboration with the state and the county and the state has a, a you know stand uh, Project Stand Up and no meth .org, uh, no org, um, and they're they're trying to move in that direction. And so, uh, there is a program out of uh, St. Paul um, that is it, it's best practices. It works. There there's things that we can be doing to um, jointly do this with the county as well. You know, oftentimes um, it's kind of a, a movement of. Whose responsibility is this? Is this the city's responsibility? Is it the county's responsibility? And for me, looking at it is, you know, we do a great job of arresting people and throwing them in jail and then saying, okay, county, deal with it. Pay for it. Right. But the city of Sioux Falls is in that county. Yeah. And so it's, it's a joint responsibility, really, for us to be able to work together. The city's been pretty reticent about actually, uh, with some justification in that that's the way the system works, but... The county bears so much responsibility for law enforcement in the jail. Mm -hmm. It seems like the city should pitch in somehow, but that's the way the state has it set up. Right. And, but we've got to be looking at ways to make the process better. We should always be looking at making um, changes to making it uh, more efficient and effective and also making sure we're not just locking up the ones we're mad at, but we're locking up the bad ones that mm -hmm. are really at risk to our public. Yeah. Um, and that's been an important thing that I've worked on a couple projects as well. Um, we are taking calls with Christine today, which is something new for yeah. you on this program. Yeah. And and, you, and I think that you can handle it. Uh, You'll be okay. 338-KSOO, that's 338-5766. Give us a ring and uh, we'll you'll get Dan Peters and he'll ask you what you want to talk about. We'll patch you through. Um, so what else as you look forward to the next term, um, do you think that uh, is an important issue for the uh council to be dealing with the th you know we'll we'll talk plenty today about stuff sure. that is happening right now but what do you want to deal with beyond drug prevention that you have that the council hasn't been able to do in your first term well i think it's important that we continue to focus on giving our law enforcement the tools that they need as well do they have those appropriate tools or do they have outdated technology that needs to be replaced those are uh important questions that we need to be asking and asking the law enforcement what can we do for you more to get you to where you need and you know we we had the controversial vote last year with uh, talking about pay for police as well as fire and um, you know that that got a little bit heated and so it's not just about um, about that but it's mm -hmm. also about making sure they have the tools that they need you know other things that are important to me is uh, educating about human trafficking and what can we do again these are all police related mm -hmm. just recently um, I worked with the police department in regards to some of the the issues that the Lyft drivers were seeing what were they seeing out and um, what could they help identify with and so the police department did create a brochure 
and got those in the hands of those drivers to say, here's what you need to do if you identify um, something that doesn't feel right, whether it's human trafficking right. or drugs. Um, and so it's little things like that that don't take council actions, but things that we can make a difference in our community that oftentimes most people don't even know that we've worked on it. There, there seems to be a grow. speaking of crime, there seems to be a growing sense that we have a crime problem. And I've, you know, I've talked to all the mayoral candidates about this, and, and, but it seems to continue to build. Do we have a crime problem? We have crime. Do we have a crime problem? You know, anytime that the popula- population increases, you'll see um, that our crime rate is growing with our population, and it's not a super uh, popular thing to talk about. And, um, you know, I don't like that, and I'll say excuse using air quotes, because mm-hmm. sure as, it, you know, that's just that's just the way, you know, numbers go up. You might see more crime, but we're seeing so much drug-on-drug crime mm-hmm. that we've got to be able to do something different about that. Um, during my term, um, not anything I was specifically involved in, but other than appropriating the money with the council, um, a narcotics investigator uh, ad- a narcotics team has been expanded and grown and that position was added uh, as well. And so having more focus on that is, is really important. And so, you know, when you add an extra 3000 ish people to Mm -hmm. our community, you know, we're expanding our base, we're expanding the tax base, we're expanding and growing and attracting new businesses with that comes challenge. You know, we talk about a, a low unemployment rate that, provides challenges as well because we're trying to recruit more businesses to come here and and put roots here in South Dakota, Sioux Falls region. But when we have such a low unemployment, we need to be attracting those people to live here. We don't like new people sometimes. Change is hard. Change is is hard hard in South Dakota. We're not usually paving the way number one on on most things. And it would be easy in this case because there is a a significant increase in meth-related crime. Meth arrests are up the, awful. N- the numbers are, I think it's a 30 some percent increase it's year awful. to year. We need to get serious about it. But it would be easy to blame the new people. Oh, but it's, it, 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 I, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can just say it's the new people because there are people that come and go all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the sense sometimes in the community is, oh, we've gotten so big, now we have all these problems, crime. That the crime is a direct relation to the fact that we've gotten to be 250,000 metro. Right. Do you think that's fair? Because then you're starting to talk about not wanting to grow. Right. Right. I think it is a a, a logical statement um, that that can happen, and so we want to be mindful of that growth and making sure that uh, we're growing in a, a smart way. We're, we are recruiting um, businesses with high-paying jobs that um, people can make a, a living wage and be able to be successful in our community. You know, as, as I was in peer during the Senate, uh, Senate Bill 70 talk, and that really moved around a lot of responsibility. That was, the, that was criminal justice about. reform? Yes, yeah. yes. And it needed to be done, but we need to also be revisiting what we can do and partner mm-hmm. with because it impacts the county and the city and the state as a whole. Um, you know, is it working to what we thought? You know, I talked recently to uh, an officer the other day who talked about um, how some numbers are down, but we're citing them different. And and it's really moving the statistics around a little bit that it's really, it's it's been long enough that we need to continue to revisit this um, because it's putting a burden on 
our police force as well as the citizens. We're going to come right back with Christine Erickson, city councilor from At-Large B and uh, who's running for re-election. But we're going to move on and talk about all kinds of good stuff. And remember, you can call and ask Christine your own questions. 338-KSOO, that's 338-5766. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 424 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And another great Rich Show song called Who Do You Love? Of course, the big Rich Show record release party Saturday. I'm sure you'll be there, right, Christine Erickson, city councilor? Um, no, I won't oh, okay. be there, unfortunately. You're, you're, I know, you're very busy. <laughs> no, it's not that. Oh, okay. No, that's all right. That's all right. Um, you, what kind of music do you like? You're kind of a country music fan, aren't you? I listen to country because it's my husband's oh, kind of I country. See. I'm more of a top 40 kind of. So I like some of the country that's maybe a little more like Thomas Rhett, things of that nature. I'm a huge Dave Matthews band fan. Oh, really? I saw yeah. Dave Matthews live in about 1990. <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, I've, I've gotten to go to two. One was in Massachusetts when my brother lived there and then another one in St. Paul. And he's definitely way better outside. Um, yeah, you know, but Coldplay, I like Coldplay. Oh, you know, I just yeah. like kind of chill music. Okay. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so we got a call. Sure. From uh, a viewer or a listener who wants to remain nameless. And uh, by the way, you can call and ask Christine your own questions three three eight K S O L three three eight five six seven seven. This caller was a woman, and she wanted to know about the legacy development involvement with the downtown parking ramp project, asbestos removal, and the methods used uh, to avoid paying the fine. Alarming citizens, is the city protected well enough going forward on this project? That is a very big question, and thank you for that for that question. Um, you know, talking about the mixed-use parking ramp downtown, I, I did support that. That's There's no secret for that. Um, I, I did not support a standalone ramp. I just did not see that bringing in the amount of tax revenue and sales tax. Um, I, I did support the mixed use. And you know, this is a $50 million investment for our downtown that will bring in sales tax, property tax, things mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, the The question in regards to the, we'll call them the LLC umbrellas that um, operated with some of that, um, I, I understand that there's still things going on with that. So I want to be very careful with my comments. Right. But there's no secret. It's not a secret that there is a criminal investigation by the federal government, the department of justice. Correct. We don't know the scope. We don't know what it's about. Not on legacy. I was, it's on Hulker and construction. construction, So it's very different. They're different companies. They're different companies, but you understand the public's Mm -hmm. apprehension here. Right. Because they are, he is a member of of the legacy company. Yes. What, and, and the fact that they said they didn't have the money to pay the fines because Hultgren Construction and the LLC that was in charge of that operation is now gone. Right. It was dissolved. There were, yeah. um, I, I asked these very questions mm-hmm. and said, you know, look at the timing of this. Does this not, you know, it, it, it throws some red flags up. So talk to me through this. And so I sat down and I learned about it and learned of, you know, a new LLC needed to be created um, for the reason of uh, tenants 
and the buildings and the structure of all that, all private um, decisions that they made and the timing of that was awful. And so since that LLC was dissolved, that's why they did not have to pay because there were no financial assets of that. Now it seems pretty, um, I don't know, it seems pretty easy to get out of a fine by just dissolving your LLC. Well, it was done before. I know, I know but you know the timing looks awful. I the Hultgren part of that, there's two entities. Right. Without getting into too much detail. There are two entities. One entity is for the development. One entity was for the uh, Copper Lounge uh, remodel. Correct. And that was Hultgren Construction. They both were fined, right? Um, I am not 100%. I, think they were... I know that in, the, in that fine, it did state that they are claiming no fault. Mm -hmm. um, if you read that, the exact verbiage, I could dig it out of my notebook if you'd like, but it, it does it's state okay. that there was, um, they are not admitting fault in that, which I believe is, is common. And I have a comment well. from uh, Aaron uh, Scovot. I can never, Skonhoved. I'm sorry, Aaron. I, he's a friend of mine and I can't say his last name. <laughs> uh, he said, don't have the problem with the project, just the people involved. Pump the brakes. And that, that notion of pump the brakes. Right. Is there anything that the council should do right now to say, can we wait six months or whatever to see what happens with this until we actually have all the facts? Because we don't have the facts. Well, I will tell you what is different that maybe some don't understand is that from the beginning of this project, they were looking at bringing a hotel partner on board. Mm -hmm. They were unsure of who that was. There were some chatter about who it could potentially be. But that is what the intent was, is to bring in a hotel downtown. Now, that was done. And from my standpoint, I had many constituents reaching out saying, here's the issue I have, what can you do? And so I started answering those questions. I sat down with, with the directors and said, what can we do? What are you doing? What is in the works? Here's what I'm hearing, and I need you to help me understand this. And so at that point, they were almost ready to be done with the deal um, with um, Jeff Lamont, Lamont Companies. Right. And he was the one that was coming on and replacing a guarantor. And nobody has any problem with Mr. Lamont, the near as I can tell. It's the fact that Mr. Hulkren, who is connected to Hulkren Construction, who just dodged the fine, is taking his name off the deal, but he's still involved with Legacy. And so it's giving everybody indigestion. Right, and I understand that. And the four guarantors on there, this is really, it's very different. It's very unique um, where they have these four guarantors who are personally held liable for this project being done. That is, to my knowledge, has never been done. And that is a and, really big deal. And uh, Aaron Hulkern is no longer that. He's been removed. Okay. That's correct. And so they are held responsible for that. And that's the safeguard for the citizens financially with that. We're going to come right back and talk more with City Councilor Christine Erickson, and you can have your questions answered by calling 338-KSOO. Join the discussion, 338-5766. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 437 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. When you come to your and that's... Uh, Remaking of an old Violet song, Up to the Minute by Rich Show, which you can hear Saturday night at the Orpheum. I am plugging the heck out of the Rich you Show should. show. Well, it's Rich Show week yeah, here on should. the Glally Show. The only reason why I'm not going is I have a little birthday shindig that week. Ah, uh, so. got it, got it. <laughs> so many social engagements, so little time. Oh, man. Um, you know, one of the big issues, we talked about the parking ramp a little bit, and 
but there's also the golf contract and some other stuff related to contracts. You actually have a proposal that you're going to present to the council that would do what? So I discussed it a little bit at our informational meeting yesterday. Um, Councilor Selberg and I kind of put our heads together and, and said, you know, uh, how can we make this process better? You know, how can how can we get access to information quicker and and, and to the public as well? And so as we sat down and uh, he and I collaborated together, talked to staff, um, talked to our attorneys, and we have a proposal coming forward that does just that. So what it says basically is is for those management, uh, any contract coming to the council um, that deals with public facilities or properties such as um, the golf courses, SMG, our event center, um, the pavilion, anything that our public facilities or properties are being managed and we have a contract in place. We, um, Councilor Selberg and myself, are asking to have that presented seven days prior to the first vote. So essentially, um, they come in front of us every single time for an informational meeting, which is great. Mm -hmm. We get a presentation of what they would like to share with us, what they would like to pull out of the contract and tell us, which is is um, good information. We have a dialogue back and forth, and then we wait to get the actual contract in our hands. And so what we want to do is, is we said seven days prior to the city council vote, we want you to have that contract that you're ready to do. Don't bring it to us until you're ready, mm-hmm. but you have to bring it to us at seven days minimum. If they want to do 14 days, three months, four months, any of that, that's fine. And what it would do then is it would spark it to be at the informational meeting. um, And then it would be posted online for the public as well as the council to get a view at it. You know, sometimes what happens um, this last time, many of us expressed with the golf contract, with the golf contract, we expressed some great frustration that we had an informational meeting. The park board did talk about it as well. Um, All good things. However, we never got the contract in our hands until 5 o'clock on a Friday night, which it's 100 pages. Mm-hmm. We are we are part-time counselors. We all have jobs outside of this and families and fill in the blank, hobbies, you, whatever. And so to get a contract at 5 o'clock on a Friday that is 100 pages is unacceptable for us to have to sit down, understand it, review it. There's not a lot of time left for questions to be asked. And so what... Uh, Councilor Selberg and I are trying to do is do something, improve the process, fully vet those contracts and get them out there just a little bit sooner. So you, you, it, this is not final yet. You have a draft. I have a draft. Right? And so what's the process for bringing this so, to the council? Um, I did share it um, recently. I did send it over to the director of finance that usually these contracts are housed in and said, hey, full transparency, I want you to... to look at this and let you know that this is what we're bringing forward and uh, let me know if you have any feedback. Um, I'll do the same thing with the council at first and second reading as well as provide that information to them sooner. Um, So the goal is to bring it forward uh, February 13th for the first reading and second reading to follow. This would give you more time but it wouldn't really change the the degree to which you know what's in the process. I mean to use a terrible word which is transparency we all use it it doesn't seem like it increases transparency, but it gives you more time to read the contract once it, you get it. it. It does increase transparency because it gives you access to that information sooner. And to me, that's increasing the transparency of it because I did not sit on the RFP for the golf. Um, I have been on two in my four years. I've been on two that have made selections. And so I'm familiar with that process. Um, but I was not on this one. And, and 
didn't ask to be on it. It's not my issue, but I wanted access to that information as well as, you know, I, I did hear from a few people saying, what is in the contract? What does it say? What does it look like? I have questions. And so it um, would give us some more time mm -hmm. to digest. Do you, do you think that you should, should, we should be able to see, in the case of the golf course, there's, there were five uh, bidders essentially. Um, should we be able to see more of what was in the original proposals? Um, they have the right to share those, and it's, to my knowledge, none of them have shared their proposals. Nothing prohibits them from sharing those, um, to my knowledge. But shouldn't we as um, citizens be able to at least see sort of broadly what was being proposed? Because, okay, we... And maybe this is more important. Maybe the fact that city councilors are on these uh, panels, that it's not really... There's no really prescribed way to do it, that... You guys are, through no fault of your own, the most subject to influence of anybody in the process mm -hmm. in that you're part-time, you have, you know, you, who knows what sort of political favors people can bestow, what the French, we just don't know. By taking that out of the council's hands and not having counselors on those panels, it would eliminate some of that idea that some counselors know stuff and other counselors don't know stuff and they're not informing each other. Shouldn't, shouldn't counselors just be off of that deal? Well, and that was, it has only been a few years that counselors have been on these. Mm -hmm. And it was really to um, pull in counselors more into the process. And, and so there were counselors on the ambulance proposal. I believe that was one of, uh, you know, larger, bigger impact ones. And mm -hmm. so there were counselors on that one, the administration building, um, but you can see how that, I mean, the mayor picks it, right? Um, I don't know that the mayor picks it or if it's the directors, because I will tell you the first one that I was selected on, um, uh, I was actually quite surprised I was asked to sit on this <laughs> RFP. I thought, are you sure you have the name right? Um, be, because I just, I was really quite shocked that I was asked to be on one um, because I, I, I do try to stay as independent as possible. I am here and elected in a representative style um, council where I represent the citizens. And so I have to balance that with, with my decisions and many of them very hard decisions. And so I think the intent of bringing in counselors into those RFPs from time to time is to make sure that we are actively involved in watching the process, build some trust. Um, now, I will say that it has um, maybe not always worked that way because some feel slighted that they're not um, well, a part of the process. it is an odd thing where you, you know, there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's nothing that's, that requires the administration from asking the council to sit on the RFP or no. not sit on RFP. But then it's, it also is, I don't know, it's odd because there's, no, there's just no system. And in government, everything needs a system. A policy or a direction right. with it, right. Like, because there, I mean, they do so many RFPs that it, it would not be a good use of time to have a no. city councilor on every single so one So then it becomes like, oh, Christine, we want you to sit on this one because, you know, you're... You're, you're, we're taking care of you. We want you to know what's going, you know, it's just an But no odd. one's ever said that to me. I know I know you're that. saying that, but no one's ever said, oh, you like this one? Wink, nod, come on. <laughs> bumping me. I would, no it would be a lot easier if there was winking and nodding going on. That would said, be awesome. But yes, no one has ever said that to All me. Right. And I always felt like I could be um, making the best decision to what I thought with the scoring and um, through there that um, I, I have never felt that it was a smoke-filled room. But I know that we have to 
this next administration has some work to do with repairing some trust um, with the council as well as citizens. And I think that we have a lot of work to do in that area um, to making sure that um, um, and we're, you, we're moving in that direction. And that's, that's why you've come up with this policy that you hope will go through to make the give you more time to go over the documents so you feel like you're making the right choice. Correct. And it's okay. not just about me. I mean, I need access to right, that but information it's because I'm making a decision uh, for you on in, in the council. Right. You know, but it's me and it's citizens. It's everybody. Right. So it is giving you access to this information as yep. well, seven days early. So yep. you're not just quickly scrambling, trying to read it as well, if that's what you see. Or maybe have a, a send out a press release an hour before the press conference to announce the results of a study that you guys commissioned. Um, we'll be right <laughs> back after a couple of quick commercials. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 450 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is not Rich Show. This is English beat, and I just play it because I like it. Mirror in the bathroom. But we are returning to our conversation with City Councilor Christine Erickson, who is going to be on your ballot in April, on April 10th, for the at-large B spot running for re-election. Um, the siding, okay? I can't believe we're still talking about event <laughs> center siding, but we are. So you, the, the council commissioned a report to find out if it needed to be replaced, yada, yada, yada. Correct. You got the report back. It went to the mayor's office first. I made that little dig there at the end about it. Come, you had an hour before they released it. First of all, are you happy? Are you, are you satisfied with what the report said? I am very satisfied with what the report said. And I will tell you that this company that uh, was selected to come in, um, if you watch our meeting, he was so objective. He clearly knew what he was talking about, mm -hmm. and I was really appreciative of his um, approach and what he explained. Uh, if you would have told me four or six years ago that I would be discussing on how panels fit together and fasteners and this and that, I would have maybe thought you were crazy. But it's um, it's just something that we've learned a lot about. Um, we as a council, and I really say we as a council because every single one of us had said, let's just make sure our investment is protected. Please just let's figure yeah. out if it's protected. Make sure it's not filling up with water. Right. We just we owe it to the public to do that. And so mm -hmm. I feel like that's what uh, we got with the report. We have that peace of mind. Um, it doesn't take away that uh, it it isn't as pretty as it's just not as aesthetically pleasing. And so especially um, knowing what we know now, a couple things. Right. Um, first of all, do you know who approved putting it on there? I don't. Who do you think approved putting it on there? <laughs> I don't. Somebody in city government had to have approved the application of that siding on that building because everybody at that at that some point knew that it wasn't right. Right. And somebody had to make that decision because we made the change. If you remember, we wanted to do some fan enhancements mm -hmm. inside the building, and so a lesser product right. was selected so we could save a few thousand dollars to make those improvements inside. But then once it got there and they said, mm, somebody in city government said, don't worry about it. Right. Are we ever going to find out who that was? I would doubt it. Okay. I don't, I don't, you know, and there's, there's, there's benefit in my opinion from saying, hey, I messed up, sorry. Um, w regardless of what that is, is, you know, hey, I thought this was the right decision in the right direction. And, uh, you know, whatever, w even if we're what? talking about 
Why didn't somebody just what? say that? I, and we wouldn't be talking about this anymore. I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. How about the process of the report? Um, I mentioned that it was, it was uh, basically, uh, it came in one hour and it was released the next hour without the council seeing it. Uh, and There's you, some heartache over you it. You paid for it. You didn't get to see it. Have you still not seen the complete thing? Right. We, we have the, you have fi- the, we have the abs- final. Okay. We have the final report. Yes. The process of this seems to have been very much a thumb in your eye. Is that well, how you took it? Um, I think that it could have been improved, and um, you know we've learned a few valuable lessons over the last few months, especially of of how to deal with different things. And um, it was uh, it was communicated that you know. Um, myself as well as uh, Council Chair Kylie had said, hey, look, we understand that this may come extremely fast. We don't know, um, but I will step aside to make sure that there are enough uh, of you there. I was not asked if this is the way that we should release it. It was, hey, here's what... Well, here's and you guys process. couldn't have shown up because you would have violated open meetings laws. Correct. We could only have... It was clear. I mean, it was done on purpose. It was done on purpose that way, right? I don't know. I haven't asked. I haven't asked if it was done on purpose. Is there, a, um, and is but there it certainly it certainly didn't sit well. Do you know that the the version you got was the same verbatim as the version that the mayor's office would have seen? Well, what I thought was really um, a great thing, you know, give a kudos, a uh, little shout out to uh, Councillor uh, Neitzer. Does he ask that question? Tell me what's changed. What is the process of this? And so um, the consultant did show us exactly. Well, I thought you would ask this, he says, and because he, he's no dummy. He saw some of the issues behind uh, the draft. Uh, and so he showed us. But you uh, don't have the draft. No, but he showed us examples of what oh. was in the draft and the changes that were made. There was a few spelling errors, I believe, or something. And then there was a, a portion where um, the administration did ask for additional clarification. So they wanted more information. Explain this more to okay. me. And that was um, that was the example that he gave two different lines with that. And I don't think anyone did anything nefarious. I don't I don't think anything was doctored. Um, but we're, that's the atmosphere we're living in right now. It's like everything is suspicious yes or no uh, I, I can see <laughs> how you're nodding which doesn't I, I can see that mm-hmm. some people feel that way yes but i don't i don't believe everything is suspicious. also you paid for it right the council did that's uh, ultimately did it ask. doesn't matter if it was like one comma you paid for it why can't you see it that, that that's what's so weird well, about this thing we appropriate the funds but we don't um, we don't have the ability to um, dictate and tell you what to do mm-hmm. in the policy. And so that's the difference with it. Um, and so it was done in collaboration um, with... Well, with you're happy with the results. That's I'm okay. happy with the results and I'm happy with the presentation that was given by the consultant as well okay. as Mark Cotter. Okay. I thought they did a fabulous job. Outstanding. Uh, Christine Erickson, she is city councilor at Large B. She'll be on your ballot April 10th. Uh, Christine, I know this isn't the last time we'll talk between now and then, so thanks for coming Sounds in. Good. And uh, Thanks for we'll, having me. We'll chat again real soon. Wonderful. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up on the show tomorrow, Rich Show. He sings this song. It's Boys in the Band. This is Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.